This Washington Post Live podcast is presented by AT&T Business, keeping your business connected today and building it for tomorrow with 5G on America's best network. You're listening to a podcast from Washington Post Live, bringing the Post's newsroom to life on stage. Arkansas Governor Asa Hutchinson joined the Washington Post to discuss the challenges of combating the coronavirus, his effort to get people back to work and school, and what he will do to make sure that elections are safe in November. Let's listen. Good afternoon. I'm Eugene Scott, a political reporter for The Fix at The Washington Post. My guest today is Governor Asa Hutchinson. It's a Republican from Arkansas. We're so glad to have you back here today. How are you? I'm very fine, thank you, and it's uh, good to be with you today. Awesome, awesome. Speaking of uh, having you here, I want to first start the conversation with uh, conversations about uh, safety. We know that Hurricane Laura is is due to make landfall today, and certainly uh, just hoping everyone in its path is just safe and uh, knows what to do to make sure that they can avoid any type of danger. Um, how how are you all ramping up to respond in Arkansas to that? Well, first of all, I've uh, communicated with uh, Governor John Bell Edwards in Louisiana. Uh, to make sure that we're coordinated and if they need assistance down the road, we want to be able to uh, be helpful. Uh, But in terms of Arkansas, this is a a serious concern for us because uh, we're expecting uh, very high winds. We're we're uh, obviously six to seven inches of rain in parts of central and south Arkansas, uh, which puts us in a position of having uh, flash floods. Uh, We're you know, alerting our search and rescue teams because uh, obviously we could be in a recovery uh, position. So uh, right now, uh, and I'll be talking a little bit later today to the people of Arkansas, reminding them to be prepared and be careful and to be ready for uh, those flash floods and to be uh, be mindful of the dangers that are out there. You mentioned that you'll speak about this later today. Do you know if there'll be any mention of uh, the hurricane and how to remain safe uh, at tonight's event at the RNC? There's been some concern perhaps that uh, perhaps this convention could be too celebratory considering that this very possible um, harmful natural disaster could be coming and affecting so many people. Well, I mean, that's a a good point. Obviously, uh, that's at risk more as uh, uh, Hurricane Laura hits uh, landfall, uh, which is expected what late today. And uh, I think we have to be mindful of that. Uh, it would be very difficult to uh, change the, uh, uh, the process of the convention, although that's happened in the past. I think, uh, in fact, we've uh, canceled the day of the convention in times past. So I'll let uh, them make those kind of decisions in Washington, but it is a serious moment for uh, our country and uh, we need to be mindful of what they're going through on the uh, gulf coast speaking of the convention i imagine you've been watching it like so many of us uh some of the speeches that got the most attention last night came from uh, secretary of state mike pompeo and first lady melania trump i wasn't sure if you saw either of those and if you had any reactions or thoughts about them I did. I saw both of them, as well as the uh, attorney general from Kentucky that I thought did a wonderful job. Uh, And, uh, you know, the, uh, of course, the star of the night was uh, First Lady uh, Melanie, uh, Melania, who did an incredible job that showed her heart 
that uh, expressed uh, concern about uh, the racial divide in our country. It was a message that was needed. She delivered it very, very well. Uh, in terms of uh, uh, Pompeo, uh, Secretary Pompeo is very unique having that coming from uh, Jerusalem. So that was really the storyline from his speech. He did make the point that in terms of international uh, uh, affairs in terms of our relationship with the United States with our uh, allies, but also those that are competitors with us like uh, China and others that uh, President Trump delivered. Uh, he has uh, been strong in terms of our trade policy, in terms of uh, the challenges with Iran and North Korea. And uh, that was just a good reminder of some of the successes uh, that President Trump has had in terms of uh, our foreign policy. Uh, but the star again uh, was the First Lady, Melania Trump, who did an excellent job. Uh, and again, I think it gave America the chance to hear from her firsthand. And uh, it was a message that was needed. It was really a message of unity. Uh, and it was also, I love the fact that she talked about the need for civil discourse in our country. And uh, people will probably say, well, that's a contrast to the president, and maybe it is, but it shows uh, her honesty, her heart, and uh, it was an important message for our country. Governor, many people would indeed say that uh, civil discourse on matters of race relation are, uh, and are something that President Trump does not do the best job of facilitating. Uh, is, is there anything you think the Trump administration or specifically the White House could do to do a better job of, of moving in the direction that First Lady Melania Trump says America should move in, in terms of uh, having a civil discourse about race issues? Well, that's uh, really the key role of the president is to uh, be a healer, to try to bring people together, uh, to diminish divide rather than to increase divide. And I'm very hopeful that uh, the president will uh, carry out that theme as he goes into the rest of the convention. Uh, I've been very impressed with the fact that uh, in the convention in the early uh, days of this week, uh, that we did not concede the African-American vote to Joe Biden. Uh, we showcased that uh, there are alternatives, that there are African-American leaders in the Republican Party, and it's not monolithic in terms of, of thought, uh, in terms of minorities and politics, and that there is a role and a place for uh, minority leadership in the Republican Party and certainly been in the Trump administration. And I hope, you know, from Senator Scott, who did a wonderful job uh, on Monday night, uh, to uh, uh, Ambassador Nikki Haley, who both represented uh, minorities that talked about uh, their path in life and their story. Uh, that's, that's the kind of message that we need to have. And, and even the story in itself is healing, recognizing that we're all coming from different places, uh, that we've had different experiences, and we've got to understand each other. And so, yes, I hope that the, uh, that theme continues through the week. Obviously, we got a job to do to, to distinguish uh, President Trump and his policies and future from uh, Joe Biden. I think that will be done. It will be very clear. We've got to talk about uh, President Trump's record, which has been significant 
and voters need to be reminded of that. And then uh, finally, uh, it, it, because of what happened in uh, Wisconsin, we need to come back to that theme of, of not only resistance to violence, but also let's do, let's do more and talk about the racial divide and how we can uh, come together and reconcile some of these differences. Governor, despite the Republican Party's efforts this week, as you pointed out, to reach out to black voters, uh, Biden actually still is uh, winning significantly with black voters and Asian Americans and Latino voters. Uh, what do you think the Trump White House needs to do specifically to communicate to black Americans and other people of color uh, that his vision for a great America has room for them? Well, uh, first of all, there's one of the top agenda items of the uh, African-American community has been criminal justice reform, sentencing reform. Well, uh, President Trump did that, and uh, he worked with uh, uh, the leadership of the Senate and the House, as well as uh, uh, African-American leadership, and accomplished significant uh, sentencing reform uh, that curtailed some of those very lengthy uh, sentences uh, for nonviolent crimes. And so they have to be reminded that he has been receptive. And, and the fact that uh, what he's done for historical uh, black colleges and universities is, is amazing. We have a number of those here in Arkansas, and they've been the recipient of that financial support at the federal level and how he has promoted and recognized those that's a significant uh, story that uh, should be a part of the message. I'm glad that that has been mentioned. But you also have to talk about the future, and I don't think there's a, a bigger issue that's out there than uh, having uh, not just a reduction in violence in our minority communities, but also to recognize that uh, there is some uh, racial uh, institutional uh, bias that has got to be broken down. Uh, and there's some there's some challenges that we have. In Arkansas, we have a uh, law enforcement uh, commission to look at the future of law enforcement, how we can support it, and make sure that we stand with them, but also uh, to make some uh, changes to make sure that uh, they're not using excessive force, that uh, they are uh, doing community policing. And so to look at those uh, new ideas for the future should be a part of the discussion as well. Uh, what the, the start, though, is not assuming that we're not going to get that minority vote, but to say, we want your vote. We want you to be a part of the political process, a part of the Trump campaign and the Trump leadership. And I think that message started with the convention. You know, Governor, I imagine and from my reporting that one of the reasons that uh, so many people of color and specifically black voters have a hard time believing uh, that the president is sympathetic to their concerns is because he very regularly attacks protesters and the Black Lives Matter movement on Twitter and in speeches as well. I know there have been protests in Arkansas against police violence and uh, systemic racism within law enforcement. What has your response to that been? Well, uh, that's a good point, and, and messaging is important, and the president needs to do a better job uh, in terms of recognizing uh, the hurt that's there, uh, the fear that's there, the mistrust, uh, and that uh, we need to diminish uh, that fear and distrust. Uh, we need to take action uh, 
And uh, what we've done here in Arkansas is uh, uh, recognize that the legitimate protests, I met with the uh, protest leaders for uh, many of the protests in Little Rock, but other cities, and I learned that they're young people uh, and they were wanting to make some positive changes and they had uh, nothing to do with violence. They had nothing to do with the destruction of property, even though that was happening. It was whether it's outside groups or just criminal elements that were coming in. And so uh, I met with those uh, protest leaders and then we brought those protest leaders into uh, my law enforcement task force so that they're now on the inside to help make change and to also learn as to uh, the risk and challenges that the law enforcement community uh, faces. And so we're hoping that we'll have a, a package of recommendations that come out of that task force that we can enact into law. And that involves the activists, uh, but it also involves uh, the uh, law enforcement community as well bringing people together. And that's what I've tried to do as governor. Uh, that's what we need to uh, do as a nation as well. And so I expect some very substantive things to come out of uh, the terrible tragedy uh, that we saw uh, this last year and that we can uh, make sure that we diminish the chances for that in the future. Switching gears a bit from your response to the protests, I want to talk about your response to the coronavirus pandemic. I understand that you were actually scheduled to participate in the convention this week, but decided to stay back to respond to how uh, your state is being impacted by the pandemic. Uh, can you talk a bit about what you're doing exactly? Well, it continues to be a challenge here in Arkansas. We have a number of uh, counties that are still uh, what you'd consider a hotspot. Uh, we, uh, and so we take the virus seriously. I've enacted a uh, mask mandate, uh, encouraging the social distancing, but also recognizing that it's that individual responsibility in the end that will reduce the spread of the virus. Uh, we right now have uh, comparatively a, a low death rate, but our cases are too high. Uh, and yet we have to continue economic activity. Uh, and so that's why we're stressing uh, the importance of the social distancing, uh, the wearing of a mask to avoid the spread of the virus, still avoiding large mass events. But we have uh, gone back to school. Uh, In-classroom instruction started this week. There's a virtual option for the families that feel their health compromised or did not feel safe going back into the school environment. So they have options, but we are having that in-classroom instruction, which is so needed uh, for our students, uh, for uh, their social and mental well-being as well. And the teachers have done an amazing job of preparing their classrooms, uh, preparing for the uh, different environment uh, with COVID. So uh, we're fighting a battle every day. We know that it's not over. Uh, Every day I communicate to the people of Arkansas about where we are and uh, we right now are seeing a decline in our cases, uh, but uh, we re recognize that that could reverse directions very easily if we're not careful. There's been quite a bit of criticism towards the president regarding his response to the pandemic. Uh, many voters believe that he's done a poor job and has not made clear a national 
uh, plan to address this issue that's affecting so many people very personally. What's your take on how the White House has responded to this? Well, that's what I appreciated uh, last night about uh, First Lady Melania Trump uh, as she talked about the heart of the president and he is not going to stop working and he works very, very hard uh, as uh, we uh, fight this virus in the United States. You know, you look back on the decisions we all make, you can say, well, we could have done this better. Uh, maybe that was an error. Uh, that's always the case. Uh, but in the end, when I look at it as a governor, uh, the White House has been very supportive of the governors. And that's Democrat and Republican uh, giving us resources, uh, giving us the CARES Act funding that is so critical to help us to survive economically. Obviously, that took uh, Congress's support as well. Uh, but, you know, the fact that the president himself is on the, the phone almost weekly uh, with the governors, that he's accessible to us whenever we have an urgency. And that started in New York and New Jersey and goes to California, uh, but Louisiana and uh, to us here in Arkansas as well. Uh, the fact that the uh, I just had a note that I'll be on the phone tomorrow with uh, Dr. Birch. This is this is the president's team that is being responsive to the states. Uh, and so, you know, we've had an issue with testing. That's the area that uh, is probably the most frustrating. And I've advocated for the uh, Defense Production Act uh, to be utilized, and they have started to utilize that. And so they're more aggressively supporting uh, the capability of our national uh, commercial testing labs uh, to have the capacity to do the testing that is needed as we go into the fall. Uh, the fact that he has uh, Operation Warp Speed that has uh, enhanced uh, the development of a vaccine has been critical for us under the gold standard of the FDA. And so I believe the uh, president has been engaged in it. Uh, whenever he stepped away from the microphone, uh, you could see that uh, uh, that lack of attention publicly to it made it was probably not the best move, and he re-engaged in it uh, from a public standpoint. So uh, he's been there technically and supportive of the states. Uh, the messaging uh, is something that is so critical, and I'm delighted that he's now uh, supporting the uh, mask, the wearing of the mask, and has set a good example for us on that. You know, whatever progress the president has made in improving his messaging, many voters believe it's been slow and there have been uh, real ramifications for that uh, in terms of loss of life and more infections uh, because a message clearly wasn't coming from the White House encouraging people to wear masks and to make decisions that could prevent them from uh, becoming infected. And, and the president has been affected in the polls because of it. You yourself said that you believe he's fighting an uphill battle to improve his standing with many voters. What what does he need to do to change uh, polls in a direction that could benefit him ultimately? Well, when it comes to the coronavirus, uh, whenever he speaks to the nation, he needs to address it. Uh, that needs to be not uh, a, you know an afterthought in terms of his messaging. Uh, he needs to lead in that. Uh, I, you know, we had a, uh, a football game in which uh, actually it was a national football game that I read about, but uh, the coach uh, called a timeout and he looked at the stands and he said, uh, you're not socially distancing enough. Some of you aren't wearing masks. Whenever you 
uh, properly protect yourself and others, then we're going to start playing again. That is the kind of uh, example that we need. And I'd love to see the uh, president uh, call it out some. If, he, if we're not doing what we need to do, admonish us. Uh, and that's uh, something I think that is important uh, during the convention and in the public gatherings. Uh, and uh, sure, I'd like to have seen uh, his call for wearing a mask uh, publicly earlier, uh, but he did it. He recognized the importance of it and uh, he has said, we need to do this. And uh, he's president of the United States. He meets the world leaders. I understand that. And there's always areas that you can't do it, but he's got to push us uh, because that is the one thing to me is a conservative principle. It is individual responsibility. Taking responsibility for your action is a conservative principle. And you do that by wearing a mask, protecting others from the spread of that virus. It's the one thing that we can do, and uh, we're really preaching that here in Arkansas, and uh, we need that at the national level as well. Messaging has certainly been key in terms of how uh, viewers and listeners get information about their actions and how they can better respond to the pandemic. Um, and that's also been the case at the conventions, both of them. What do you think uh, has been the biggest difference in the messaging uh, related to the pandemic coming from both conventions so far? Uh, you know, that's that's a, a good question. And, and first of all, uh, I think you see a contrast in the conventions in terms of the energy. Uh, I know that the Democrats tried to say, well, we'll set a good example by uh, uh, not having anyone uh, in the audience or anyone that's out there. Uh, and the Republicans took a different approach uh, we had some energy there, uh, and yet last night uh, in, with the First Lady's address, you had an audience there that was socially distanced, and so you can set a good example, but at the same time have some energy uh, in the uh, presentation. Uh, in terms of uh, managing the, the coronavirus, uh, I see uh, you know, Joe Biden as diminishing the roles of the governors. Uh, he's talking about a national mandate uh, he's talking about uh, the potential for a lockdown, and uh, that's not what we need. And so there is that difference of approach uh, in the recognition of the differences of the states, and that it's not a national model that fits in every circumstance. You've got high-density populations in New York versus uh, rural populations, and you respond differently. You've got, uh, you know, different economic approaches as well. And so uh, I think there is a distinction as to how they've approached the coronavirus. Uh, nothing is perfect, but you do see that difference. Governor, you uh, served in the Bush administration um, and we saw various former presidents participate uh, in the Democratic National Convention to express their support for Joe Biden. That's not happening with uh, President Trump and the RNC. Can you give us some idea why you think uh, President Bush is absent from this week's event? Oh, I couldn't speak to, uh, to that. Uh, I certainly am uh, serving in uh, uh, President Bush's administration. I'm a fan of his. Uh, I was the, his uh, director of the DEA and then Undersecretary of Homeland Security. And uh, uh, I would love to see uh, President Bush uh, speaking at the convention. His voice is important. Uh, President Trump uh, would, 
could utilize that uh, uh, Bush uh, support. And uh, so I don't like division. And I would like to see that being brought together. Uh, we need everybody to pull together because there's a big difference in the direction that Joe Biden wants to take our country uh, versus Donald Trump. And we have to get over the stylistic uh, differences. And I'm part of that. I, I, the uh, style of the president always doesn't appeal to me. But whenever you look at the fundamental directions of our country, uh, I know that President Trump has performed in terms of a more conservative uh, judiciary. He's performed in terms of deregulation, in terms of economic policy, in terms of trade policy that no one thought was possible uh, to renegotiate uh, the North America Free Trade Agreement. Uh, so he's done, that's what you have to look at. And uh, President Trump does need to showcase what he wants to do for the next four years. The record is important, but he's got to talk about what he wants to do for the future. And that's the reason that I'm motivated to support him, why I believe he's important for our country. And you've got to set aside uh, the differences in style, uh, some of the things that are not uh, that uh, perfect that's there. As uh, Melania said last night, uh, President Trump does speak his mind. And uh, sometimes that's good, sometimes that's bad. But you got to look at the overall direction of our country and who would best lead us. And to me, that's clear. But Governor, a shocking number of individuals affiliated with the Republican establishment disagree with you and the First Lady. We saw at the Democratic National Convention people like Colin Powell and former governors and Congress people uh, who are in the GOP come out and say that they're supporting Biden. Uh, what could Trump do to bring more members of the Republican establishment uh, into his fold? Well, first of all, you ask them. Uh, just like in the African-American community, it's important to have our African-American leaders that speaks at the convention. You start by making your case. And, uh, uh, and so, you know, you, you've got to have that two-way street. You've got to bring people in uh, to uh, your administration. Uh, to the councils of government and and then secondly you got to listen to them and you know that's how you uh, reach out and expand your base uh, the president's doing that uh, it's not perfectly but it, it, he is doing it and it needs to be done uh, to a greater extent if we're going to win in the fall i explained my rationale that even though we have differences uh, we are together on the overall direction that we need to go in terms of of uh, strength of uh, our uh, safety of our cities in terms of our economic growth and strength in terms of, of making sure that we have a fair trade policy, uh, making sure that we have a pro-life agenda that was featured last night, a religious freedom that is supported across the globe. But these are things that we as Republicans agree upon and these are the directions that uh, we're focused on in the convention and we're we and President Trump is focused on. And so that brings us together. And I think that's uh, important that we take that long look, uh, that clear look at uh, our support for November. You talked about the importance of expanding one's base. And we know right now that uh, Joe Biden is leading Trump with women voters. Uh, but there seems to be an effort, especially when you look at last night's uh, lineup, 
from the Trump campaign to improve his numbers with women voters. Uh, what do you think uh, the White House could do to get more women who are voting to believe that President Trump uh, actually is the best president for them? Well, I think the convention, again, is a good start. I mean, that was a good segment last night whenever they featured uh, all the uh, prominent uh, uh, women that are in the administration, have key positions uh, uh, as counselors to the president, as, as communications directors, but also in the administration more broadly. And so uh, he has clearly relied upon uh, leadership of women in his administration. That's a good starting point. Secondly, you look at uh, policy. And in terms of policy, uh, it's about the economy, it's about jobs, it's about uh, protecting uh, children, it's about the workplace and making sure that uh, moms have uh, the adequate childcare that is needed, the investment in education. All of that uh, are issues that appeal to uh, the soccer moms that are out there, the suburban moms that are so important uh, in this election. And then the third part uh, is the heart. Uh, it is the intuitive side. It is it is your messaging. Uh, it is what people and women see uh, in a leader. And uh, I think that uh, the First Lady helped last night, uh, but it'll be interesting to see how the President does that communication. Uh, and clearly his policies, his administration reflects that leadership and outreach uh, to women. Uh, and uh, those uh, suburban voters, and I think you'll see that continue. A very interesting point uh, to be made about outreach and keeping people from the base on board uh, is the president's relationship with evangelical voters and conservative Christians. Uh, we've heard you speak about your faith uh, very clearly uh, throughout your political career. Um, and despite President Trump being very popular with white evangelical voters, he actually does not talk about his own personal faith and sense of values um, as clearly and boldly as, as Joe Biden. And, it's, and that's one of the reasons, perhaps, uh, why we are seeing uh, President Trump lose some support uh, with white evangelicals and white Protestant Christians and white Catholics. Uh, is there anything you think uh, that the president could do uh, to win these people back and to communicate to him, to them, should I say, uh, that his personal values are rooted in uh, a deeply historical religious tradition of some sort? You know, I think he's done extraordinary. And uh, the faith community uh, looks at uh, what he's done in terms of, of outreach, first of all, about supporting uh, pro-life positions that are critical uh, to that uh, evangelical community, uh, about what he's done in terms of our relationship with Israel, uh, with putting the embassy in Jerusalem, doing what he said he was going to do. Uh, all of those things uh, puts him in really a solid position with the evangelicals of the United States. That's really been his rock solid uh, base and foundation. I don't see that eroding. Uh, I, I think that is solid. I think that is strong. And particularly with the emphasis uh, of uh, Billy Graham's uh, granddaughter yesterday at the convention, talking about uh, that relationship to religious freedom that President Trump has and how he has advocated it for the United Nations. Uh, those are things that appeal and, and are really responsive to the faith community. You're talking about 
you know, whether you are actually speaking about your faith sufficiently. And I think uh, we recognize that uh, some people express it day in and day out. Other people have it in their heart uh, and are, are not that vocal about it. I don't believe that is going to make the difference. It is uh, your policies. It is how you uh, understand the world and what your worldview is. And the worldview that President Trump has expressed and acted upon uh, is that consistent with uh, that faith community and the evangelicals. Uh, I think it's just exciting to see what will happen in that second term uh, to uh, carry out uh, those same values. Well, Governor, I have one last question, uh, and it's related to mail-in voting, something that we have been uh, talking about quite a bit. And, uh, you know, the president has expressed some concern about mail-in voting, um, and the Postal Service has warned the states might not be able to deliver ballots in time for the election. Just want to quickly hear what you're doing to ensure that eligible voters uh, get to cast their ballots and that they are accurately counted. Well, it is very important. We want... Uh votes to be cast this year. We don't want anyone to be uh, nervous about the coronavirus and say, I'm too nervous to go to the polls or I'm worried about my health. And so we first made it clear that anyone can ask for an absentee vote uh, ballot. And uh, if they are concerned about the coronavirus, uh, that is sufficient reason uh, to have uh, that absentee uh, ballot. Uh, secondly, we see a, a great increase in uh, the uh, request for absentee ballot, much more dramatic in previous years. And so that goes through the mails, as you point out. Uh, the uh, ballots will, the mail will be marked as election ballots, the United States Postal Service. Uh, and they sounded the alarm early on, but uh, they've recognized their, I think they said their sacred commitment to deliver the election ballots. And so they're going to put the resources there. I don't believe the resources will be a problem. The volume uh, can be uh, a challenge in Arkansas. I'm confident that that's going to be managed well. Uh, it is going to be uh, something that you have to watch on Election Day because we start counting those uh, ballots on Election Day, and that might take a little bit of time. And hopefully we can get those counted in a timely fashion. But with that volume, it could extend uh, to the next day, and probably that is even more so on the uh, larger states with greater population, with greater numbers that uh, we might not see all of those votes counted on election night. And I think people have to be a little bit patient, not to assume that there's any fraud involved, but it's just that we've got a volume that has to be counted. We want to make sure that every vote is counted. Well, Governor, that's all the time we have today. I so appreciate uh, you coming uh, to speak with us, and hopefully uh, you can get back to Post Live soon. Thank you. It's great to be with you today. Thank you. Thanks for listening. To hear more interviews from this series and other Washington Post Live programs, visit us at WashingtonPostLive.com.